Welcome to episode 33 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. Oh, so John, it's a late night for us. We both had some weddings to attend to. <laughs> yeah, I actually ducked out of mine earlier than you apparently did. Yeah. I, I basically maybe. stuck around for the the important dances and then left as soon as I could, so. Yeah, I kind of hung out for a little bit and I, I got to ca- catch up with some family that I haven't, or family and family friends that I haven't seen since I was basically a kid, so it was kind of cool, but um, it was a good time, so. Yeah, wasn't. They had free beer, so I'll take that. I got a, I got a free can of Pepsi, so that's kind of the equivalent, right? We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I probably uh, could have gotten another one if I asked. Yeah, if you would have asked nicely, but that seems like it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also I'm not a greedy person. One can of Pepsi is good enough for me. Okay. Actually, also there was actually some pretty good chicken. Like just like. Just fried chicken. Oh, there we go. Fried chicken. Yeah. I love fried chicken. I wish I I wish I would have had fried chicken at my wedding. Good times. Not not my wedding. Actually, actually yes, at my wedding and the wedding I was at here, but. At every wedding, must have fried chicken. Pro tip from the local meta, if you have a wedding, have fried chicken. Yes. It cannot fail. So, <laughs> this week, <laughs> we're going to be um, uh, kind of finishing up um, our little modern meta deck breakdown. Um, we're going to hit miscellaneous decks. Yeah. Um, basically, we just kind of pick some decks that are sweet. <laughs> yeah, finishing up is kind of not fully accurate. There are a few that yeah. we're leaving out, but, you know... I mean, and we may we may hit this up in the far future, but we just kind of wanted to put a bow on some of this on on this sort of s- series, um, so that we can move on with our lives. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, but we wanted to hit. There were some decks we still wanted to hit that we didn't drop into the other categories because they're a little more fringe or weird. <laughs> yeah, they're either fringe or don't play by the normal rules. Like you can make an argument that all of these fall under a different category, but they're mm-hmm. just so weird in how they function mm-hmm. that it's kind of you know they deserve their own little category yeah so why don't we why don't we hit up our first deck we'll, we'll just talk about one of the most fun decks ever made yeah fun fact i hate this deck <laughs> i hate everything about this deck because it does something that is completely against my philosophy in playing a game of magic which is okay. trying to not have an opponent's yeah. So what is, what is this deck? This deck is Lantern Control. Okay. I also hate the name. Okay. This is not Why? a control deck. This is okay. a prison deck. Alright. Like, the goal of a control deck, you know, is to, like, you know, counter your opponent's spells and eventually get to, like, this super, um, like, very powerful late game where you kind of just, like, turn the corner and win. The goal of Lantern Control is to not let your opponent do anything that is remotely beneficial to them in the game of Magic, and eventually make them die by decking. Like That sounds like a party. This is possibly a, li- a less fun deck than Stacks. I was just going to compare this deck to Stacks, but... like that's a, And that's a statement, because you have a, a, an undying love for Stacks, if I remember correctly. Oh yes, an undying love for a deck that's goal is to have no one play a game of magic. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Like 
I will I will give a little bit of like benefit to Lantern Control is you have to be really good to play it well. Okay. Like you because you have to know exactly what is what is a danger and so you have to know what to deal with and all that, but So yeah. I, why don't we hit this up? So what does this deck do? Alright. Um as I said, it's a prison deck. And the goal of the deck is to use its namesake card, Lantern of Insight, which has both players play with the top card of the library revealed. And what you do is you play a bunch of super cheap artifacts, or super cheap, like, um, like they're all one-mana artifacts, and they basically all say tap, you know, either both players or one player mills the card. And you use the combination of those cards to mill all of the irrelevant cards from your opponent, while at the same time, um, just like, you know, you have them only draw lands, or you only have them draw creatures that don't do anything, and various stuff like that. It's really... It it does require a very large knowledge of the format, and knowledge of what your deck should be doing, and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's an interesting concept for a deck, if nothing else. Yes, um, the guy who made this deck is kind of known for playing or for building a bunch of off-the-wall um, Johnny decks. Mm-hmm. Like this deck is a Johnny deck. It is completely yeah. unfun for a Johnny deck. Like you know, I'm a big fan of combo decks. Don't get me wrong, but damn this deck. <laughs> I mean, this is taking weird cards and putting them together to make something that works. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, the guy's name is Zach Elsick, and, you know, props to him for his deck building, but he's always, yeah, he, yeah. he will never play a typical deck. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, it's not in him to do it. He's the ultimate Johnny. So. So, what, um, I mean, you talked about one of them, but what are the key cards for this deck? Yeah, as, as mentioned, Lantern of Insight is the, it's, you know, it's the namesake of the deck, and by all like metrics is kind of the most important card in the deck because you need to have that information. Mm-hmm. Um, the other really important card in the deck is Ensnaring Bridge. The reason why this is so important is because, you know, the the goal like the goal is to not die from combat. So if you have an Ensnaring Bridge in play, you it doesn't matter if you let your opponent draw their Tarmor go if they can't kill you with it. Mm-hmm. You know, at the by turn like 3 or 4, the goal of Lantern with Lantern control is to have no cards in your own hands and you can ensure that happens by by having the lantern of insight in play you can mill any card you can't cast to ensure you don't have any cards in hand mm-hmm. so like it like it's a bunch of little pieces that work together really well a lot like dredge yeah i was gonna say it's it's a lot of like ones and twos that kind of come together to make a worthwhile deck <laughs> quotations worthwhile Yes, quotations with that. So another important card as are like another important card due to the self mill aspect of this deck. Also, though, is Academy Runes mm-hmm. because Academy Runes allows them to put any artifact in their graveyard on top of their library, so they can actually use that as sort of like tutor effect, as were, and they can make sure they will never themselves deck. And they can just put anything they need back on top. Like, if you destroy their bridge, they just put the bridge back on top, redraw it, and recast it again. Yeah. Which makes playing against this deck really weird. I mean, it seems really awkward, because this this deck is attacking from such a different angle compared to basically, like, every Everything. other deck that we've yeah. talked about. 
it's super weird and interesting. Yeah. Like I. So. Sorry. Sorry. I was just nothing of value, but like I've been wanting to build this deck for a while just to see what it's like to play it. But I don't know if I can bring myself to actually like consistently play it. It'd be like one of those things that's like, yeah, I'm going to run this deck and see what happens and then be like, okay, that was fun and take it apart. Yeah, like uh, this is... Or that was miserable and take it apart. I own everything to build this deck, but I've Mm -hmm. never actually built this deck. You know. Yeah. So, I guess I'm, uh, we talked about how, you know, what this deck is doing and how it works. So how, how do we beat this? All right. Um... There's a lot of splash hate for Lantern Control because mm-hmm. it's an artifact-based deck in Modern. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyone who thinks about you know artifact-based decks in Modern, they're going to think of Affinity. So they're going to want to. So like a lot of Affinity hate already exists, but a lot of it isn't necessarily good against them. As mm-hmm. weird as that sounds, like a lot of the Lantern. I mean, a Hercules Recall has to just do nothing. It buys you a turn, which ideally is all you need. Ideally. Like, the like a, that's what a lot of the stuff will do, right? Like, stuff like mm-hmm. any sort of, like, pinpoint artifact removal or, like, you know, mass artifact removal, like Hercules Recall or Creep Encourage or anything, if you can actually get to a point where you can cast them, it can at least buy you a turn, if not buy you multiple turns to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most important, like one of the really good cards against them, is Stony Silence, um, mm. because their entire point is to play artifacts that they have to tap to activate to mill you and stuff like that. So by playing Stony Silence, suddenly you know you're turning off their ability to like you know filter through their deck to find the relevant stuff and prevent them from filtering through your deck so you can draw the relevant stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. um <laughs> I'm not sure if this makes me a jerk for saying, but another way of beating this deck is a lot of a lot of people who like to play weird decks want to play this deck. And those people aren't necessarily the best players, and they're likely to make a mistake. I mean that's that's fair. Sometimes the something that's flashy like flashy or strange just attracts people that you know, yeah, I've I've always probably should be playing something more consistent. I've always said that there's a certain type of person in Magic that they they love playing decks that give them free wins, mm-hmm. and they look at this deck and they think it does that when, but it doesn't. Like, yeah, th- there's only two people who have ever done well with Lantern Control: the guy who literally made the deck, Zach Elsick, and mm-hmm. Sam Black. Like, and Sam know, Black doesn't know anything about Magic. No, so. he's not like you know one of the current best Magic players there are or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like he's just really freaking good with off the wall strategies decks too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and this is just perfect for him in that regard. So yeah, that's Lantern Control cool. in a nutshell. I just looked at our list of decks we're talking about like more thoroughly, and I realized that all of these are super fun. Yes. <laughs> so let's get on to our next super fun deck that I hate. So, actually, I would love because I want. I thought about building this deck. I actually have built this deck. 
I know, and you smoked me with it. And I have played this deck. <laughs> this <laughs> I, I yeah. I actually hated this deck when I first saw it, saw it, but I've I've grown to understand a different a new appreciation for it. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like this deck is eight rack. So John, why is this deck called eight rack? <laughs> so there's a card that was printed eons ago called the rack which was actually paired with another card called black vice black vice is terrible but eight rack is not uh the re or sorry the rack is not what the rack is it's a one mana artifact at the beginning of i don't remember if it actually says target players upkeep or not but at the beginning of your opponent's upkeep they take three damage minus one damage for every card in their hand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what? So if they have zero cards in hand, they take three. If they have one card in hand, they take two. If they have two cards in hand, they take one. If they have three or more, they take zero. <laughs> this combos quotations with another card called Shrieking Affliction, which is one black enchantment. If your opponent, at the beginning of your opponent's upkeep, if they have one or fewer cards in hand, they take three damage. So, so realistically what you're saying is, is that you're basically playing eight racks. Yes. The deck is literally named <laughs> after its primary wingons. Uh, I like that. Sorry. This just always makes me giggle. Yep. <laughs> so, um... So I'm guessing I'm just gonna take a wild guess here and say that the key cards are the rack and shrieking affliction. Not really. Whoa. Well, well, sorry, sorry. Yes, the key cards are that, but mm -hmm. the most important cards aren't. Okay. So, like, what are the the most important cards with a rack are actually all the super cheap, and to a certain degree, like the efficient discard spells. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's really hard for them to win if they don't draw a rack effect. Their rack mm -hmm. effects do nothing if they don't draw, you know, if they can't go, like, turn one, discard, turn two, discard, turn three, Liliana of the Veil. Yeah. You know, like, the deck, like, the entire purpose of the deck is try and empty out your opponent's hand. If you, do, if you don't draw your card in such a way to allow you to do that, you obviously can't win. Um, there's mm -hmm. a little bit of play to it as a result of that, because if your opponent's just sandbagging a bunch of cards and not playing out their cards, they're giving you a lot of time, and you can take advantage of that time by you're playing cards like Mutavolt, which allows you, you know, it's, it's a colorless land that you can t pay a mana activate, it becomes a 2-2 and just attacks your opponent. And you can just, like, mm -hmm. you know, chip shot them with stuff like that while they're trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. And this also has one of my favorite sideboard strategies in magic which is board in for death shadows in aggro matchups <laughs> like slam a death shadow on the table i absolutely love it right like if you're like playing it's burn or something you're like turn one discard turn two discard they're like burn 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 they're emptying their hand they're trying to race you and they get you down to like nine damage or nine life you're just like death shadow death shadow go and they're just like all right <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it also plays one of my... This is actually... I'm a big fan of this card, even though this mm -hmm. card is one of the most unfun things you can possibly cast. 
it is a joy stealer. <laughs> I really like the card smallpox. Uh. Like, <laughs> for those who don't know, smallpox is black black sorcery. Each player discards a card, sacrifices a creature, sacrifices a land, and loses one life. Uh. <laughs> so, main deck smallpox or eight rack doesn't play any creatures. Mm-hmm. It plays a like it actually has a surplus of lands to where like mm-hmm. it doesn't have any late game menacing, so you don't really care if you're discard if you know if you have to sacrifice the land. And a I lot mean, of you're throwing people, throwing lands away to Raven's Crime too in late game potentially, right? Yeah, or and that's medium game. And that's also like you know like it's a bit of a combo. If you cast like turn two smallpox to discard this Raven's Crime, you didn't discard anything of value. Mm-hmm. Like you're just up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's unbelievably just unfun, but it's super great to just like just get your opponent at one point with it. Like I actually built eight rack because I really wanted to play a, a um, Eldrazi opponent and have maybe like turn one discard. They go turn tur- they go there turn one. They're like something noble hierarch go, and I'm just like turn two lance smallpox you. Just kick him in the nuts a few times because I got sick of losing to Eldrazi. <laughs> you got salty, so you're like, "All right, we're gonna do this." So yeah, it's like I got salty. Let's build a deck that will drive everyone else insane. <laughs> yeah, I seriously considered building this deck for a while when I was uh, getting into modern. Yeah, you had but... a casual deck that did the same things as this deck. I mean, the the casual deck I had was a was a blue black uh, Liliana's Caress deck with um, oh, what is that card? Now I can't remember the name of it. Uh, something whispers. Well, uh, whispering madness. Yeah. There we are. Yes, because I I refer to the deck as whispering caress. And Which yeah, is just so creepy. basically, yeah, I know. Which basically you just slam uh uh Liliana's Caress and then cast whispering madness. And make everyone discard their their hand, redraw it, and you could cipher it onto some, onto a zombie that you made with zombie infestation, and then attack with it and hit them and have them do it again, and you could cycle it through and make them discard a bunch of cards. That's also the deck that I have that runs uh, four wistful thinkings, which if you've ever heard of that card, you'll probably have a strange look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the deck that he decided to put his dual lands in. So I did that once just because I was being silly. Still. I pulled I, okay, maybe I didn't I don't know, but <laughs> I I do enjoy it. But yeah, the, but it it does play very similar to 8 rack where you're trying to empty your opponent's hand and do damage that way. But okay. So I guess I get to the point here. How do we beat this deck? Uh it's really hard for 8 rack to beat Leyline of Sanctity. Yeah, like, okay. That's like the go-to way of like hating on 8-rack. Um, <laughs> because they're playing... like Most of them are playing mono-black. There are, bl- there are black-white variations of this deck, which... Mm-hmm. So the reason to play black-white is literally one reason, right? You get the... I believe the card, call, the card is called Flagstones of Troikare or whatever. Yep. Which whenever... It goes to the graveyard, you search your library for a plains or a land or whatever and put it into play. 
So mm-hmm. you get to go like turn one Urborg, turn two, turn two Flagstones, tap both Smallpox, and your po- opponent's down to land, and you're not. <laughs> I think it's cute. But it's cute, but it seems like greedy. It's completely unnecessary. It does give you yeah. some better sideboard hate, which is nice because white has the best sideboard hate in all of Magic. But I just mm-hmm. don't think it's worth it. So yeah. as a result, you know, like the white, the black white can play enchantment removal, but mono black can't. So mono black can't be Leyland of Sanctity. Okay. Um, Otherwise, just having a fast clock can be good against them. You know, my comment about boarding in Death Shadows against aggro decks is completely legit and valid because Burn and Affinity are two bad matchups for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just board in this huge stomper dude as they're trying to, like, race you. And, yeah, I mean, you're, and you're boarding in one huge stomper versus however many, you know, if the Affinity player is attacking you with, you know, five creatures, it's like, well, shit. Yeah, it's a little. You're just dead, anyways. They leave back their Memnite to block your your seven seven, yeah. and you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, something that is kind of a adage of about discards is that you can't discard the top of their deck. Yeah. If you unless you're playing Lantern Control. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you can top deck even remotely reasonably. It's really hard for 8-Rack to, like, slam the door on you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you can top-deck early enough, like, you're, if you're top-decking when you're already empty-handed, you're probably dead. If they've, if they've drawn a rack effect, it's too late at that point. But, you know, mm-hmm. if they're like, well, I really need to take this card out of his hand because this card's going to beat me, and then you just draw the card and cast it, it's like, that's something that happens a lot when your opponents play discard spells. Because here's the fun thing, right? If they're making you discard the card, it's probably a good enough card that you're playing it in multiples. Yeah. And you play multiples of a card, so you can draw multiples of a card. So yeah. Top deck well. Really fast and resilient game plan. Is possible to out-dirtle 8-rack, but it's... You know, if they... It's it's possible to out-dirtle 8-rack as long as they don't draw Liliana the Veil. Because you will never get ahead of them if they have Liliana. Yeah, that just seems like a, a losing battle in some cases. Yeah, then Leyline's pretty good. So. Okay, cool. Should we move on to our next our next party time deck? Yay! Another deck that's goalless to not let their opponent play magic. I'm feeling a theme today. Maybe this should be like modern meta deck breakdown down, not play magic. Modern meta deck breakdown prison? Question mark? Question mark? Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> This one, this one is like is that this this is kind of describing two different decks with the same basic game plan, and that's hate bears. Mm-hmm. You basically ha- there's there's effectively three different ways of building hate bears, but there's there's the green white hate bears, there's the mono white hate bears, and then there's black white Eldrazi. Um, the two that you're most likely to see nowadays are Mono white hate bears and black white Eldrazi, uh, green white's kind of fallen by the wayside. The it's the things it disrupts are just not good enough against the way the meta has currently transformed. Mm-hmm. But um, they still have so, this, the same similar-ish game plan. They play they play a bunch of you know cheap quotations cheap creatures for the Eldrazi list that are really disruptive to your opponents. 
and all of the creatures are okay on the beatdown. So your goal is basically just to slow down your opponent just enough to just, you know, you know, eventually just close the game out on them. Very similar to the legacy death and taxes lists. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, when I was looking at the um this one that's what it came to mind with me was was DNT. Yeah, it's very similar in that regard in like how it tries to play out a game of magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the key cards in this deck? Uh, just like in Legacy, Aether Vial is a very important card for this deck. Being able to get out multiple of your hate effects can be very important. Plus, you know, being able to cheat on mana is very in- is very important for this deck to actually get ahead. Because while mm-hmm. the creatures tend to be of reasonable power level, the reason why it's called Hate Bears is because a lot of them are two power two two drops. Mm-hmm. And two power two drops don't don't you know stand up very well against a turn two Tassiger or Gurmog Angler or turn any Tarmogoyf. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, it's kind of important that they draw the right hate creatures at the right at in the right matchups. You know, like it it doesn't really matter if you happen to have drawn three Leonin Arbiters against the Storm deck if you never saw Thalia. So you're, they're a little reliant on being able to draw the right cards on the right time, but that's just going to happen whenever you're playing a deck of this, you know, basic strategy, type of strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need to draw the right hate piece at the right time for a lot of decks and stuff. It's just like a, a control deck, you know, drawing the right answer for at the right time. Yeah, it's very similar. Like, this is basically like a creature-based control deck, but it's mm-hmm. more disruption instead of true control. Um, Eldrazi actually have a pretty good bonus in this regard because Thought Not Seer is good against every deck. Like just yeah, that period. Good. <laughs> it's like it yeah. doesn't, you know, it's it's a creature based way to attack the hand, which is why Black White Eldrazi will also play Tide Hollow Sculler, which is another creature based way to attack the hand. You know, so they actually kind of have a leg up in that regard. They can actually hate out more stuff as a result. And, like, the gist of these decks is, like, most of the creatures they play are very, very disruptive. uh, Other ones are very good at attacking. And if you're playing Eldrazi, they're both. Yeah. The the issue with, like, the mono-white and the green-white versions of this deck is they're kind of forced to play stuff like um, uh, Mirren Crusader, which has actually gotten better lately with the format shifting. But they used to play, like, Sarah... uh, is it Sarah Avatar? Is it the three three flyer for two? Can't be cast on the first, second, or third turn. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I can't remember. I thought Sarah Avatar was the um. Uh, oh yeah, that's the uh, big the thing. life one. Sarah Avenger. Yeah, Sarah Avenger. Sorry. Yeah, you know, it's like Sa- just... all Sarah Avenger is is just a beat stick. Yeah. You know, she's mm-hmm. just a three-three flyer for two mana that you can't cast for the first three turns of the game. You know, with vigilance. With vigilance. Playing vigilance. You know, and some of them also play stuff like um, uh, Blade Splicer, which is a one-one for three that makes a three-three golem token that has the ability to first, you know, with first strike and stuff like that. So, like, as to where like the Eldrazi kind of have it easier in that regard because they're able to. You know, they can play their Thought Not Seer and just beat you down with a 4-4. Four, four. 
Like, yeah. that's still just a generically good thing they can be doing. This deck feels super fair compared to a lot of the other ones. It is. The only thing it's really doing that is massively, you know, quotations cheating is Aether Vial. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not doing anything, like, super insane otherwise. It's just, um, like, taxing your creatures, basically. It feels really, really unfair when your opponent, <laughs> you know, they go, like, turn two, or turn three, Aether Vial in my Leonin Arbiter, go score to you, go score to you. <laughs> Like, uh, you just hate your entire existence at that point. Yeah. Especially if you happen to have tapped out on turn two for anything. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, they, they can do some pretty broken feeling things, but, like, as a whole, their power level is not insane. They're very much a sum of the parts deck. Yeah. So, it's, it's re- you know, it's... I, I don't... It's not a deck I necessarily enjoy playing against entirely because of Leonin Arbiter. I, I suppose Leonin Arbiter is a 2-mana two 2-2 two in white. Um, players can't search libraries. Any player may pay 2 generic mana to ignore this for the turn. So it combos really, really well with uh, Ghost Quarter, where that's in play, you Ghost Quarter your opponent when they don't have two mana, and Ghost Quarter suddenly becomes Wasteland. Wasteland's or, a good card for people who have not played Legacy. Yes. It's... that like That is probably the most powerful thing that deck can actually be doing, and it's extremely frustrating when they get to just get you with it. You know, it's like, I don't mind playing around Thalia and all that kind of stuff, but Leonel Arbiter is just a kick in the nuts half the time. I was going to say, does Ghost Quarter actually just become Strip Mine then? Yeah, they can, they can nuke your license. Oh man, that's brutal. Because that's so, a reasonable thing. Yeah. I mean, Strip Mine isn't banned in Legacy. Nope. But, <laughs> it, spoiler, it is. Um, so, how do we beat this deck that gets to run Strip Mine in Modern? Um, this deck... Hyperbole. Yeah. This deck is actually very, very weak to removal. Which... If you can cast it. Yeah, as long as you can cast your removal, this deck is very, very weak to it. Because, like, you know, almost all the removal in the format can kill almost all their creatures. Because, like I said, they're playing a lot of two-mana tutus and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little bit harder to beat the Eldrazi versions because, you know... Four mana, four fours are able to, on turn two tend to be able to stand up a little better to a lot of the removal, mm-hmm. and you know, they te- they also will play stuff like Reality Smasher as like a game ender and stuff like that. But for like the actual hate bear decks, it's just having removal for their answers is just very important. Okay. Otherwise, this deck is very bad at regaining control if it falls behind. Like, if you can deal with, like, their first few hate bears and you, like, you know, you're able to, like, put pressure on them where you got, like, you know, a couple big Tarmogoyfs or Death Shadows and stuff like that, they're unfortunately top-decking those two-mana tutus, and they just don't match up very well if they don't have the enough pieces to make them actually function the way they need to. You know, it doesn't matter if, you, you know, if you... Like, once you get down that Death Shadow, if it becomes, like, a 7-7, seven, seven, it doesn't matter if you happen to top-deck that Thalia, she's not going to do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. It's too... Just a speed bump at that point. Yeah. 
So, like, if you can, as long as you can, you know, like, weather the generic storm and, like, play around some of their more brutal stuff and just get ahead of them, it's really hard for this deck to regain, you know, the initiative, so. Cool. It's not, a, it is not an oppressive deck by any means. Yeah. You know, like I said, I don't hate playing against it, just certain, very, a few random things are just really annoying for me, so. Strip line. Yep. <laughs> okay, so I think we got one more one more deck on the docket. Is this one a completely unfun deck too? Uh, kind of. Okay. <laughs> what do we got? This this time we're gonna talk about Scred. 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 Scred Red, to be specific. Okay. Scred Red is a really interesting deck. It's mono red control. Okay. Except it's not like a true control deck because it doesn't have like that you know amazingly powerful. I suppose it actually does have an amazingly powerful late game because turn five in modern is basically late game. But yeah. it the entire the deck just plays a lot of red based removal and its win cons tend to be difficult to interact with. So it's kind of is a control deck by that metric. <laughs> so um, the most important card in all of Scred Red is uh, Snow Covered Mountain <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, for those Snow Covered Mountain is, is a strong card yeah, for those who don't know uh, the deck is named after the card Scred Scred is one red instance Scred deals um, X damage to target creature where X is the number of snow permanents you control. So if you go turn one snow covered mountain, you get to needle drop something. <laughs> on turn two, your scred becomes a shock. On turn three, your scred becomes a lightning bolt. On turn four plus, scred becomes able to kill anything in the entire modern format. Yeah. Yeah, scred can be very powerful. As long as something is actually weak to red. Um, otherwise, like one of the, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say big ticket, but one of the like the classic cards for this deck is Koth of the Hammer, which is uh, I think this is the only deck that actually plays him outside of cubes. Hmm. Uh, he's a four man a planeswalker, where his plus one. Uh, untapped target mountain, it becomes a 4-4 elemental until end of turn. I don't believe it gives haste, and I believe it's still colorless. Hmm. Uh, he has a minus, which I think it's like minus 2 uh, untap up to 4 mountains you control. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I'm getting this stuff right. Okay. Since, you know, the internet's in front of me, and I'm not using it like a reasonable person. Uh, Psh, internet, never going to catch on. Tap, tap target. Oh, it does become a red elemental, but okay. does not gain haste. It is still land. Okay. Minus two, as I said, add one red mana to mana pool for each mountain you control. Oh, okay. And then he has a negative five, which he comes down with three loyalty as a four drop, ticks up to four immediately. So he actually can ultimate in only three turns. 
Okay. Uh, you get an emblem. With mountains you control, have tap. This land deals one damage to target creature or player. <laughs> so your mountains become prodigal sorcerers? Yes, all your mountains become prodigal sorcerers. Which, for those who don't know, that's a really powerful effect. <laughs> yeah, like, especially when all your lands have it. Yeah, it's very possible that you've already killed your opponent like before mm -hmm. this, but if you didn't, suddenly you're machine gunning down any creature they happen to play. And any time they don't play a creature and you just have mana left over, you're just nugging them in the head for one. <laughs> so... Uh... Yeah, so, so that's the major win con? Yeah, Koth is the... I think the only win con in the deck that's played as more than a... Like, two of. He's usually a three or four. That's sweet. <laughs> uh, so, how do we beat this deck, then? Uh, the deck is really weak to things that say protection from red. Because... So I'm guessing the Forge Tender or whatever is probably played. Uh, Forge Tender can be powerful against them. Stuff like um, uh, Core Firewalker is just unbeatable for them. Like It's a 2-mana two 2-2 two -two with protection from red. Whenever a player casts a red spell, you gain a life. Um, it's really hard for them to actually deal with that card for obvious reasons. They actually a lot of cards in the sideboard of Scred are dedicated to being able to deal with cards with protection from red. <laughs> like um, Kozlex Return is a thing. I've built this deck before, and I had Pyrite Spellbomb in my sideboard as an answer to uh, <laughs> Firewalker. Uh. Otherwise, you know, it's it's easy for them to play like the generic um, Ratchet Bomb. Yeah. Yeah, so like they they do have answers, but you know just you know protection from red's pretty good against them. Otherwise, it is almost impossible for Scred to interact with non creatures because they're a mono red deck. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're they can't really play colorless lands outside of Scrying Sheets, which is a snow covered land, um, because they need to have the the snow-covered mountains to make their scred good so they can't you know they can't play things like warping whale so as a mm -hmm. result they're really weak to non-creature spells like they they can usually pressure a planeswalker relatively well like you know it's easy enough for them to just attack your planeswalker with one of their big flying dragons or with koth or something like that but like for things like it's hard for them to interact with a storm deck outside of racing it it's hard for them to interact with a deck, a deck like Eight Rack, without racing it. You know, just being able to, uh, being able to play things that Red can't deal with is just powerful. So, you know, like enchantments are also pretty good against them because of that. You know, if you can, if you can play a creature that's big enough before they happen to get enough uh, covered mountains to make Scred good, or they just happen to not draw a Scred, really big creatures can also be really good against them. You know, that's it's it's one of the major flaws of playing a bottle color deck, you know, like eight rack or like scred, where there's a certain subsect due to the existence of the color pie but that's very intentional that you just can't deal with. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. That is cool. uh, that's scred. Alright. Well cool. So that's the last deck we have on the list, so I'm uh John, do you have any anything else you want to mention before we 
head out? So we're going to be a little bit topical today. Uh, topical? Okay. Yeah, for... Well, for anyone who's listening to this after the fact, it's going to be in the past, but as of right now, uh, Magic the Gathering World Championships is going on. Woohoo! Uh, last I heard, Huey was like 11-0, and 0, so nice. sweet Go for Huey. Huey. Um, unfortunately, none of the other Peach Card and Oath made it in the top eight, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But, um... It's a, it's still kind of entertaining. I really like how the deck that like dominated the SCG Open just isn't doing anything. <laughs> anything. It's great. Hooray for cards that spike for no reason. But um, actually something that I was curious about. Okay. Brian Brondewin did not get an invite to this world championship. Okay. Br- Brian Brondewin is the defending world champion. Yeah. Do you think that all defending champions should automatically receive an invite? I thought that happened already. I think it used to. But so did BBD, he not just not get one? Or? BBD is the first person to win worlds that the prize pool did not consist of an invite to the next world championship. They really? literally changed it. Right after he won. That's weird. Yeah. This is actually really... Like, I actually thought about this before... I didn't even realize Worlds was this weekend, but I I thought about this a couple weeks ago because um, in StarCraft II, um, uh, the Blizzard World Championships, the defending champion for that is currently not qualified for the Blizzard World Championship. He hasn't won a qualification yet. He's been kind of having a baddish year. And so, like, it's this big hubbub. It's like, you know, like, well, is the defending champion even going to be allowed to defend his title? And stuff like that. You know, a lot of people, you know, are... There's a lot of people who are, like, complaining that BBD isn't there. There's a lot of people who are like, well, he didn't earn the invite, so, you know, it doesn't matter. Huh. So I was curious what your opinion on that little... That. So, I guess a lot of it is the intent of what the world championship is. So, and I'm going to ask, like, the way I frame it is, is he the defending champion? Like, and, and, and emphasis on the defending. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, UFC, like, there is a, you know, there is a champion. He has a belt. And if somebody wants that belt, they need to go fight him. Uh-huh. And, like... You don't give away the belt without having a lot of stuff happen, or or the or the dude with the belt fighting the another dude who wants the belt. Mm-hmm. Like, so so there's that. But with like an event like this, is it is he defending anything as part of it? Like that's. That's what I'm wondering. Like, I like. Do I? I still feel like ev- like the prize pool should almost include a an invite in some way. But I can see why they wouldn't. It still feels weird. I'll be honest. Like, it feels a little strange not having the previous world champion there. You know. But yeah, it's. I I think it's super weird. Like, I I kind of agree. I get why it doesn't include it, but at the same time, I think it should. 
Yeah. Like, even if it literally just amounts to as like a cherry on the top, mm-hmm. like it's still just like a nice little thing to be like, yeah, you're guaranteed to be able to come back next time. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I, I would be relatively okay with someone who's like, they're not very great at pro tours, but they are a stone master of like the 24 man tournaments that is the yeah. world championship, right? Like they're just really good at predicting what the best people are going to do. Mm-hmm. Cause like that, it, I'm granted that is a different skill set, and it, mm-hmm. ki- it, it kind of ruins the whole, like, you know, well, anyone can qualify for worlds thing as long as they're good enough. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't know. I'd be totally fine with something like that happening. I mean, if someone act, honestly just keeps going back to back to back worlds, who, who is anyone yeah, to say right. that's not good enough to qualify for worlds is winning worlds. Yeah, yeah I agree. I like, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is on the flip side, I can totally see the arguments against that. Yeah, it's like, you like, know... Like, this should be, like, this is a seasonal event. This should be the, the 24 best people from this season. Yeah. And, Which, sure. And I get that, and I get that too. I, I don't know where I come down on it. I mean, yeah. honestly, I just want to watch really good people play Magic. Yeah, I can definitely agree with both sides. <laughs> And I mean, like, mm-hmm. BBD did not have a great stellar year by any means. He did not, actually. He, he tanked one of your PT drafts. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I think... I think I thought he was a lock for you. I think he's still gold? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, I'm pretty sure he's still on the train, as it were. And, like, mm-hmm. props to him. Like, he didn't take it personally. Like, you know, when he found out he didn't have an invite, he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to prove all my doubters wrong. He literally said that on Twitter. A lot of people said that he, cool. you know, he kind of like, you know, got lucky in winning his world championships, right? Apparently, well, he I went, mean, you got to get lucky a little bit. Like, yeah. even John Finkel has to get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just bends the rules of the universe to make his own luck, though, so... <laughs> But um, apparently he was also a super cool guy about it. Like his teammates were saying, how he was he was still in town up until mm-hmm. like Wednesday, helping them test for the tournament. Cool, that's so, awesome. Yeah, he's still like, a like, super props, cool. Props dude. to him. I I still like BBD. I think, you know, I think he was awesome and stuff. Like, you know, just with with his approach to magic and everything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I've like you know. The the bit I have seen him, I, I've really liked him. Like I thought he's a, always seemed like a really cool, upstanding guy. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he's not there, but you know, at the same but, time, I mean, what can we do about it? Yeah, I mean, tangentially related, it's really cool to see somebody like Huey, who is just a, again a really cool, good, upstanding guy, like crushing this tournament. I I'd love to see him go all the way. Yeah, like it's really nice to like. I really enjoy when like the old timers, which. William Huey Jensen is absolutely an old-timer. Yeah, totally. When they just kind of, like, you know, show up, kick down the door, and be like, don't worry, I still got it. And Huey could show up and kick down the door because he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> the man is a literal giant. Yes, but... It, it, it's, like, yeah. the same reason why I just, like, I can't help but smile whenever Finkel just, like, makes another top eight, right? Oh, man. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like, you're old school, and you're, you know crushing worlds that's great yeah. i think raptor is also in top four which is also really sweet because he's had a oh, cool. killer year like he has had a killer year voted I mean, into the hall of, yeah. yeah 
<laughs> voted into the Hall of Fame, won the Magic Online Championship, won a GP. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's been doing pretty good this year, too, so... That would be a pretty good cherry on the top for him, though, if he just like, oh, yeah, I'm getting voted into the Hall of Fame, and I'm the world champion. That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sure... I mean, by the time this episode drops, everybody will know what happened, and it'll be in the history books, but when we're recording this, we don't know, so... No, we are in the past. We're living in the past, so... If you want to send future us some feedback... Uh, you can shoot us an email at thelocalmeta at gmail.com. Um, if you want to catch us on Twitter, we are at thelocalmetapc. So, John, anything else? I am I'm good. Sweet. So we will catch you next time. See ya. See ya.